Again, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with us to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As we begin reading with verse 13. This morning I'm beginning a new series entitled, What's on Your Mind? There's certain things that gets in our minds and, and it's hard to function. Today we're going to be talking about grief. And in the next two weeks we're going to be talking about other things that gets in your mind. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is addressing a problem. We're just really going to focus on one verse. But Paul is addressing a problem because they were expecting Jesus to return and he hadn't come back yet. And people are dying. And they're thinking, wait a minute, how, how can people die if Christ hasn't returned? So they're really concerned. And Paul is going to address that. But I really just want to focus on one verse. But I want to read the whole passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and arose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air so that we will, shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Pray with me. Our Father, today we open your word. And Father, as we examine this topic, I pray you bring comfort because you're the only one that can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the musical Hamilton, we find the retelling of the life of Alexander, Alexander Hamilton, one of the, our founding fathers and America's first secretary, treasury secretary of America. He was maybe one of the most interesting of the founding fathers because of his sharp intellect and his incredible, unequal work ethic. But throughout his life, Hamilton was acquainted with grief. His mother died when he was young. A close friend, John Lawrence, would killed in battle. But perhaps the death that affected him the most was his son, Philip. Now, Hamilton had a temper, and he was in many duels. In fact, he was in nine duels before his son died. Now, if you know the story of Hamilton, he will have one more duel. But Philip wanted to try to protect his father's integrity, challenge someone to a duel. Hamilton gave him advice on what to do instead of trying to talk him out of it. And Philip died in the duel. On hearing the news when he arrived to the doctor, the doctor said later, uh, Dr. David Hosack, he said, I will always remember as he grasped the agony of grief and said over, Doctor, I despair. At the funeral, people literally had to hold Hamilton up. At the funeral, he rushed to the, to the coffin and they had to hold him back. In the musical, there's a powerful song, maybe one of the most powerful songs in Broadway, entitled, It's Quiet Uptown. Because historically, we know that Alexander Hamilton would just walk the city in grief. He would spend hours and hours walking. Listen to some of the words. If you see him in the street, walking by himself, taking, talking to himself, have pity. Philip, you would have liked it uptown. It's quiet uptown. He's working through the unimaginable. His hair has grown gray. He passes every day. 
They say he walks the length of the city. You knock me out, I fall apart. Can you imagine? In that song, they talk about the unimaginable. The unimaginable of grief, but also the unimaginable of forgiveness. That's a powerful song. And I love that word, unimaginable, when you're talking about grief. All of us, all of us are going to go through grief. You cannot escape grief. Now, what is it? Grief is simply the emotion we go through when we lose something dear to us. That's all it is. That emotion we go through, we lose something near, dear to us. Now, most people, unfortunately, they only think about death. Most people, when they hear about grief, they, oh, you're talking about dying or, or somebody, you know, because of death. No, it means anytime, anything you lose. Ever lose a job? You go through grief. Ever get fired? You go through grief. Ever moved away? You go through grief. Graduation? Some of you went through grief. Some of you didn't care. But you realize, I'm not going to see these friends anymore. I'm not going to play on the ball team anymore. You go through grief. You lost something. You lose money in the stock market? You go through grief. Lose something in a fire, a storm? You go through grief. You have bad health? The doctor gives you bad news? You go through grief. A child or a friend moving away? Will I ever see them again? Will I hold them again? Will I talk to them again? You go through grief. All of us are going to go through grief. We go through grief all the time. And the Bible addresses our grief. In fact, all the way through the Bible, God tells us about grief. Even Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, that verse, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, there are nine Greek words for mourning. Jesus uses the most intense word. In fact, he uses the present tense, which means it keeps on going. And something's out of control. You cannot stop it. This is the lostness that hits the bottom of your soul. The Greek Old Testament is the word used to describe Jacob's extreme grief when he thought his son Joseph had been killed by a lion. This is the same word in the book of Mark, chapter 16, describing the family and friends when Jesus died. This is not a word to describe you having a bad day. This is unimaginable grief. And Jesus said, blessed are those, you'll be comforted. Jesus says, when you are hurting unimaginably, You're in the best position you've ever been to discover the blessing of God because you'll be comforted by God. Now, in our text this morning, it's verse 13 I want us to look at because some people misquote it. Paul says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve. Now, some people stop there, and I've had people tell me, you're not supposed to grieve because the Bible says it. Read the rest of the verse so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Here's what Paul is saying. You're going to grieve, but you're not to grieve like the world. They have no hope. You're going to grieve, but you can grieve with hope. So this morning, I want to talk about how to grieve, how to handle your grief. Now, we all grieve differently. I get it. But I want you to understand how to handle your grief. First of all, you need to appreciate the stages of grief. Appreciate the stages of grief. Whenever you grieve, you'll go through these processes, I promise you, these stages. You cannot escape it. It may last five seconds. It may last two weeks. It may last years. But you will go through this process. And you need to learn each stage and appreciate them and recognize them. Again, we all do it differently. 
Some people are more vocal than others. Some people do it in public. Some people do it in private. Whatever the case, everyone's different. If you are a talker and you talk through your grief and this person over here, here is going through grief and they're not talking, don't assume they're not going through grief. They are going through grief. Here's what you need to remember. You do not try to get over your grief. You try to get through your grief. You can't get over grief. You must go through it. And the real question is not when will this pain stop. The real question is when can I live with it? Those are the questions you ask. Now, there's different stages. Some people say there's four stages. Some people say five. Some say seven. One author says there's ten. They say the same things. So I'm going to give you these stages. Number one. The first stage is denial. Denial. When you hear something, you cannot handle it. Your body and mind won't accept it. This is not happening. I can't believe this is being told to me. This is wrong. You've got to be wrong. I can't understand what you're saying. This is when you go through a dream-like motion. Everything actually starts going in slow motion. Your house is damaged by a tornado. I can't believe this is happening. You get fired from your job. I can't believe I got fired. You're being diagnosed with cancer. I can't believe they said cancer. When a loved one dies, I, I can't believe they, they're dead. They're gone. That's denial. It happens. For some, it may be two or three seconds. For some, it may last a couple of weeks. But whatever it is, your body and mind are in shock. It's denial. Second stage, anger. Anger. If you're going through grief, there's going to come a point in that process you're going to be angry. And sometimes the anger makes no sense. You might be angry with God. Where were you? You might be angry at relatives. You never cared. You weren't there. You didn't take care of them. I did all the work. You, you may be angry at medical people or the facility. Why didn't you see this? Why didn't you notice this? Why didn't you take care, better care of them? Why didn't you run the right test? Why didn't you see the test? You may be mad at your employer. I, why didn't you give them a break? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you give me a heads up? You may be angry at the person. Well, why weren't you wearing a seatbelt? Why didn't you go to the doctor? Why didn't you take care of yourself? You may be mad at yourself. Why wasn't I nicer? Why didn't I call them more? Why didn't I help them more? Why didn't I take advantage of them? You may be angry at your dog. Why are you barking? I mean, sometimes the anger just comes out. And sometimes it makes no sense. And many times, with that anger, there's guilt. There's always guilt with grief, with the anger. Third stage, struggling. Struggling. Some people call this the bargaining stage. This is when you struggle with the process. You're trying to make sense of it. Uh, usually when you go through the, the struggle phase, you ask questions like, if only or what if? We struggle. You know, if only I had done things different. If only I wasn't so stupid. If only I took advantage of those moments. If only I had called more. By the way, sometimes those if only as you're struggling, you go back to anger stage. Oh, we struggle with trying to get our life back to normal. We don't even know how. How do we get back to normal? Because we're afraid to get back to normal. Because if we get back to normal, did we really miss them? Did we really miss the job? Did we miss this? We struggle with our past, our present, our future. We struggle. We struggle with ourselves. Why, why can't I let this go? What's wrong with me? How come everyone else can let it go? How about me? Oh, we struggle with other people. How can they let it go? Why is it bothering them? We struggle with God. God, why did you let it happen? Grief always involves struggle. And again, 
two questions. We ask, why did this happen? Now, in all honesty, you're never going to get the answer. Usually in Greek, people ask, why did this happen? It's, it's normal. Years ago, another church, I was visiting a man, his mother died, and he said, preacher, why did this happen? Why did this happen? I didn't say it, but I'm thinking, well, she's 98. Could have been the reason. But he was struggling. I talked to another guy in another state. He was fired. He was, I can't believe, why did this happen, preacher? Why did this happen? Well, I found out he left a week and didn't tell his boss he wasn't coming back. And when he got back after a week, he was fired. But he still struggled. Why did this happen? That's called grief. You struggle. That's our human nature. We want to know why. By the way, knowing why may not help you. Second question, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? You struggle. What, what am I going to do? We start forcing ourselves this question. What do I do? What? And for some people, what am I going to do next year? For some people, what will I do next week? For some people, what will I do in the next five minutes? You're struggling. Now, we will struggle. Please understand, as Christians, we will struggle. But as believers, we keep God in the picture. All of us are going to struggle, but we keep God in the picture, and we're not alone in the struggle. Next stage, called apathy. Apathy. You don't care. In grief, there comes a point you just stop caring. What's the use? I'm tired. I have, can't control anything. You'll hear phrases like this. Well, why, why are we even going to celebrate Christmas this year? I mean, why even go to the church if the pastor leaves? <laughs> just, just checking. Why get dressed in the morning? I don't have a job. Why, why apply for a job? I don't get fired anyway. Why, why, do I, why am I going to stay in school? I flunked the course. Why well, love someone? They're just going to leave. You, you see, we, we start... Not caring. Now, usually you're almost like a zombie. You just go through the motions. Now, this is the stage you try not to stay in too long because you need momentum to move. Finally, fifth stage is acceptance. Acceptance is surrendering to the fact that what has happened you have no control over and you can do nothing about it. It's difficult. This is difficult for people because they're afraid to accept things. They, they believe, that, well, if I start accepting this, that means I really didn't love that person or I really didn't care about that job. Or, or, or no, I, it, it doesn't mean that at all. All it means is I'm moving on. Acceptance means you're going to surrender everything to God and you're going to move forward. Now, these stages, they don't come linear. I wish they did. You'll go through one, then another. You go through denial. Then you get angry. And then all of a sudden you go back, I can't believe this is happening. You go through these different stages, back and forth, back and forth. That's how you go through the grief. But you need to appreciate the stages to embrace them. Secondly, we need to acknowledge my grief to God. Acknowledge my grief to God. This is our advantage with the world. The world has no one to take their grief to that can help. We have a God that we can bring everything to. You know why? Because God cares. God really cares. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, 7, and we'll look at this verse later, he says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That word care that Peter uses is very intensive. 
This is what it really means. Cast your cares upon the Lord because he always, every day, in every way, at every moment, is caring for you. God is constantly caring for you, continuously caring for you. God knows you're hurting. He is caring for you. And so we bring our grief to God. We acknowledge my grief to God. How do you do it? Well, you tell God how you feel. You tell God exactly how you feel. In the book of Psalms, chapter 50, verse 15, God says, call to me in your day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and, I will, and you will honor me. God has given to us permission. He says, I want you to cry out to me. I want you to bring all your problems to me. He doesn't say keep quiet. He doesn't say grow up. He says, bring it to me. Lamentations 2.19, he says, get up and cry out in the night. At the beginning of the night hours, pour out your heart like water before the Lord. Lift up your hands to him. Do you know why he says it that way? Why does he say cry out at night? Because when you're grieving at night is when it hits. That's the worst. You sleep for a couple of hours and you wake up and you go through all these emotions and God says, hey, I give you permission. You cry out to me. Just tell me what's going on. You cry out. You tell God. Be honest. God, I'm hurting. God, I'm sad. God, I'm sick. You, God, I'm angry. Tell God what's on your mind. Guess what? He already knows. God knows your heart. You verbalize it. You tell him your emotions. He will understand. He's not going to, to you know, punish you because you're honest with him. Last August, on our 20th anniversary, uh, our family came up, and we took our granddaughter out to the playground. While we were there, it started raining, and I said, we got to go. And my five-year-old granddaughter just went, ah, life's unfair. <laughs> this is the worst day of my life. This is a terrible day. I wish you weren't even here. You know what I did? Nothing. You know why? She's five years old. She's five. I'm just glad she's talking to me. I can, I can handle that. I let her talk. She complained in the car. And then finally she calmed down. And then we talked about it. And she had a great time. And Papa, can you take me back? Listen. If I can do that to my granddaughter, how much more would God, who, knows, who has all love, accept us when we bring everything to him? Jesus did not condemn Martha. When Martha said to Jesus, where were you when my brother died? Because the next statement she said, but I know you're the Messiah. I know you're the resurrection. Be honest to God. Next, accept God's comfort in my grief. Accept God's comfort in my grief. God says he's going to comfort us. The problem is we don't accept it. You know, we do a lot of things with grief. Some people repress it. They, they push it down. They swallow it. They pretend like it doesn't bother them. They pretend like, hey, I, I got this under control. Listen, that's unhealthy. If you don't deal with your grief, it doesn't go away. It just gets worse, and it will explode somewhere. Some people, they don't repress it. They rehearse it. They just keep going over and over and over. They won't let go. They torture themselves thinking about this over and over. I mean, God says, don't dwell in the past. Don't be consumed because you are afraid. Because Some people, because of guilt, because of guilt, you want to be punished yourself because you can't handle your guilt. And so you just keep rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing. God says, don't repress it. Don't rehearse it. You need to release it. You need to release it. You know what that means? To release it means you confess to God, you're not God, and you trust him. You see, in our grief, we always come to the point we realize we have no control. 
And that's when we say, God, I'm not you. You're in control. I don't understand, but I trust you. God, I give it to you. Ever notice in the book of Psalms, David would be complaining to God. And then at the end of the psalm, he would say, but God, I trust you. Or in the book of Job, Job chapter 13, verse 15, Job is saying, he said, even though God slays me, I will trust him. I love that verse. In other words, Job said, I don't, I don't have it figured out. Even if God kills me, it's, I still trust God because I'm not God. And I trust him. Confess you're not God and trust him. And number two, accept what you cannot change. Accept what you cannot change. The thing with grief, and by the way, all three things we're going to talk about is a control issue. We want to control everything. We want to control our grief, but there's something we can't control. I cannot control the people around me. I cannot control the events in my life. I cannot control what's coming toward me in the future. I cannot control the things I've done in the past, okay? I can't. I can't control it, so I need to accept it. This is saying to God, God, I don't understand, but I accept this grief, and I'm moving forward. God, I accept the fact I lost a loved one, I move forward. God, I accept the fact I have cancer, I'll move forward. God, I accept the fact that my my child is moving away, or my friend's moving away, and I'll accept the fact I'll move forward. But listen, acceptance does not mean you stop caring. It doesn't mean that. Acceptance doesn't even mean you stop hurting. Acceptance doesn't even mean you're saying what happened is good. It doesn't mean any of that. All it means is I'm not in control and I'm moving forward. I can't change things. But Paul says we have an advantage. We go to God who can change things. That's our advantage. He can change our mourning to comfort. He can change our tears to joy. He can change our lostness with the promise of heaven. So this morning, you may be grieving for whatever reason. You may still be mourning, but you need to move forward. You may be grieving, but you need to start growing. You may be hurting. You need to start being healed. Yeah, you may even be sad, but you need to start taking steps forward. Because we have an advantage over the world. We can bring it to God. And we need to trust God and accept him. This morning, it's possible you may be grieving over your sins. Because there's nothing you can do with your sins because you're not saved. You need to bring those to God too. Maybe you're here in person, maybe watching online. You realize, I need comforting. I have no one to turn to. No one can really help me. But God can. Will you give your life to Christ? By accepting the fact that you're a sinner. Admitting you're a sinner. Saying, God, I can't save myself. And I believe that Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago. He was buried on the third day he arose. And I confess. In other words, I agree with you, God. I give you everything. I give you my life. Will you come into my life? If you're watching online, you would like to give your life to Christ. If you would text the word today at 270-398-5005. And a minister will give you a call today.
If you're here in person, as we begin singing, just come to the front, talk to me or one of the ministers about that decision, or maybe joining the church, or maybe some other decision, maybe public or private. But we serve a God who cares, and he brings comfort. Would you stand, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, from the book of Genesis to Revelation, you talk about grief. And Father, we are never going to get out of this world apart from grief. But Father, I thank you for the promises that you've given to us, that we have a God who's going to walk with us and strengthen us and help us. We have a God who will help us move on. We have a God who's in control and we're not. And so, Father, my prayer this morning, for those who have never given their life to you, Father, let today be that day. Show them, Father, who you are. There's no need for them to go through their pain and the suffering and the grief alone. Remind them, Father, show them, Father, that apart from Christ, they will never have joy in this world. They will never have true peace in this world. They will not have an eternal relationship with you. Father, whatever excuse they may be giving, take it away. Father, let them make that decision today. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.